So the big question is this, how can I live a life of purpose and meaning and still pay my mortgage? I had the good six-figure corporate job, but it got to a point where I felt like I was gonna be sick every day on my way to work. I knew there had to be a better way. Our guest today on the podcast is Rob Poe. Rob found a passion for yoga during significant international business travel. He learned he could do yoga in his hotel room after many hours of sitting on planes, trains, and uncomfortable conference room chairs, which helped him to sleep and feel better without waking up groggy the next morning from the side effects of medications. Now he practices regularly to manage stress, his aging body, and PTSD. In his younger days, Rob served as a combat medic in the U.S. Army and afterwards on an ambulance as a paramedic. Rob holds an MBA in strategic leadership and has substantial experience working as a leader in healthcare research for over 25 years. He completed his 200-hour teacher training at Om Prana Yoga and visits other studios when traveling. Rob has studied with many different teachers and is certified in advanced wall therapeutics and is a Yoga Alliance continuing education provider. Rob also provides mentorship of 2,500 yoga studio owners worldwide through a closed Facebook group. Welcome to the podcast, Rob. Thanks so much, Rob, for coming to the podcast. Um, can you give our listeners an idea of what your background is, who you are, and what is life like for you? Sure. Oh, that's a <laughs> So... So my wife and I own uh, Om Prana Yoga in Parkville, Missouri. We're just outside of Kansas City. We've we've had the business going for five years now. She's now doing that full time. I'm also doing that full time, but I also have a job that actually um, <clears throat> helps support us at home. So um, working working two jobs right now. But uh, so you know, people often ask me, "Well, what do you do with your spare time?" And I'm like. Well, what is the spare time that you speak of? Um, but we're working towards the business, uh, supporting both of us, and it's grown a lot and going really well, and we love it. And uh, so that's kind of what we're doing. So tell me, what made you decide to open a yoga studio? Well, we um, had, so we relocated back into the area after a number of years away um, for jobs and careers and other things. And we had had the idea of opening a studio when we were out of state. And uh, so we had everything put together, business plan and everything. We just hadn't found the, the right space. And then we relocated and uh, <clears throat> she was walking through the historic district of our, our town and called me up and said, guess what? We're opening a yoga studio. Well, I found a space. So we started with zero students. Um, kind of the, the impetus for that um, locally was we, we just went to a number of studios and really couldn't find the place that had our vibe and, and what we were looking for. And so we decided to build our own and uh, do it the way we wanted it done um, and really focus on community rather than just you know, yoga classes and all these, you know, extraneous things that go along. For us, it's been more about building a community and that, you know, it's a, it's a business, but we want the business to be in the background. Um, I, I recently listened to another podcast and I don't remember who it was that said this, but she was, uh, she owns a meditation center in New York city. And she said, we really work our asses off so that when people come in, they don't see it as a business. And that's <laughs> to it. <clears throat> that's awesome. 
So talk to me a little bit about the vibe of your studio. How would you characterize it? Sure. So um, our average students are probably 40 to 75 years old. Um, people that really want to, they're, you know, they're experiencing joint pains and aches and pains and things like that just from living life and want to feel better. So we're really more of a gentle uh, alignment-based um, studio that offers a, a variety of different classes from, you know, restorative to gentle yoga to even a couple of vinyasa classes. So we try to appeal to a wide group of people and, and what they want, um, but predominantly an older generation. <clears throat> awesome. That's, we tend to be um, a little bit older. I joke that most of our teachers are like 50 or older yeah uh, you know and it's i think it's it the amazing thing is that yoga is one of those things that you can do and it doesn't beat your body up exactly and, and one of one of my passions uh, about yoga is that um you know a lot of people you know there's this stigma out there um wendy and i travel to new york city quite a bit and for you know we wander around and you know we we're always cognizant of what the public image of yoga is because it's very intimidating for people and we we're walking by one of the uh, New York athletic clubs and there's this banner that's about eight feet wide and three stories tall of this woman standing there with her foot going straight up next to her ear while she's standing and you know that's the image that people get it's like well I can never do that well only 0.001% of the population can <laughs> But right. the rest of us can do these other things that still make us feel better. And so what, so one of my passions is working with people that are really intimidated by yoga to get them introduced and show them how to use the props. We're a very, we call ourselves a prop intensive studio. Um, <clears throat> we've got lots of bolsters and blocks and straps and various things. And uh, people, it's just nice to see their face light up when they're like, oh, I can do this if I do it this way. It's like, yes, yes, you can. Yeah. Now, how, how did you get into yoga? What brought you to yoga? Well, I used to do a lot of, in my professional, my day job, um, I used to do a lot of international travel. Um, at one point in my career, I had a laboratory in Germany, one in China, <clears throat> one in the Midwest of the United States, and one in uh, Japan that I spent a week at every quarter. So I, I would wake up in the mornings and look to see what language the hotel phone was in so I knew where it was uh, <laughs> and with the jet lag and just all the sitting and everything I had constant issues with my hips and so um, it was once I started learning yoga it was nice to be able to do it it's something I could do in my hotel room didn't have to take any drugs and wake up feeling groggy the next day um, and just really felt better and <clears throat> Once I started doing that, because I'm I'm former, I, I've been hard on my body. I'm former military, former paramedic, young dumb kid that would you know try and jump his bike across the creek and stuff like that. And so, if I if it if it can help me, it can help just about anybody. <laughs> so you're like the poster child. Absolutely, absolutely. And I and I'm I'm convinced that um, part of our business success is people walk in our business and look at me and say, "Well, if you can do yoga, so can I." So, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I, I have a similar bent is I'm always the one that I always wanted to teach people who weren't the typical yoga student. Right. Um, because the practice is accessible and it isn't, you know, the woman with her leg in the poster up, you know, 
I was expecting you to say it was the number for an orthopedist ad or something like, because that's truly what we're seeing more is as people that started practicing 20 years ago, now they're ending up, you know, having hip replacements at 45. And, and, and that's one of the things I point out in our yoga, we have a, a, a yoga teacher training school as well. And part of my business never, and, and, and business philosophy and marketing section is just Google yoga and click on images and see what that pops up and, and, and see what those images say to you as a potential new yogi. And, uh, you know, everybody's always like, Oh, ah, you know, and yeah, I mean, you know, what, what a lot of people are putting out there is what yoga is, is not really what yoga is about. Once you start, once your body starts feeling better, then you can start exploring some of the, um, what I call the more philosophical side of yoga, the other side um, of the eight arms of yoga and get into the philosophy a little bit and then start living a better life. Um, so one of the things that, that we, we do, um, we call them Sutra Sundays in our, in our teacher training. And we, I literally flip through one of the Sutra books that we use and pick an exercise out of it. And people live that for a week and then report back. Mm. And uh, it's, it's a great way to kind of slowly start integrating the Sutras into your practice by actually living that way for a week and seeing the impact that it has on you and the world around you. So Wow, powerful. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Where do you see, you know, now we have more online yoga. We have, um, I know recently in the group, two studio owners said that they were closing. Um, Things are shifting. There's other boutique businesses are on the rise. um, And yoga's growing at about 6% a year. And, and some of the big box um, yoga places are having some issues. Um, kind of the trend I see is, is, is the, the yoga studios that have business, the, that the owners have business experience or are willing to get educated and have business experience are going to do better, be more successful, stay in business and grow the business. So I see a lot, I see the boutique yoga studios, the independents being on the increase. Um, and I think the, the big box studios are probably on the decrease. Um, and of course, we're always gonna be in competition with the gyms, but I don't consider that real yoga. I'm very vocal about gym yoga. Um, there, there, there's some advantages to it, but that's, it's just glorified aerobics as far as I'm concerned. I say that kind of tongue in cheek because that's been an argument ongoing in the group for, for several years. Um, and you know, there's gonna continue to be gimmicks, you know, goat yoga, beer yoga, wine yoga, all these things that um, are fun, but they're still not really yoga focused. But, um, but you know, they say even bad publicity is good publicity. So um, as long as it, it as long as it, it people look at that and say, okay, well, I, I could maybe do that, then hopefully it gets people into a studio with a teacher that's well trained, can watch them in their poses. <coughs> um, help them feel how it should feel in their bodies um, and, and be safe as they, as they start a yoga practice. Um, I'm often asked, well, what videos do you recommend? I'm like, unless you've been doing yoga for three to five years, none. <clears throat> because you need, you need a, a teacher that's trained to look at you and help you with your body. And uh, that, that requires some training. That's not something you can do in a mirror at home. <clears throat> yeah. So what do you think about... Um... Yoga Alliance now changing the the requirements for regist- registration. 
Well, I, I, you know, the Yoga Alliance is always kind of a hot topic because it's not really an accreditation group, um, you know, kind of like you have with colleges and things like that. They don't provide a lot of oversight. If they did, it would be much, much more expensive to belong to Yoga Alliance. Um, I think, I think they're trying to improve the standards in teachers and in the registered yoga schools. Um, I think they're implementation is extremely aggressive timelines. I think maybe that could have been spread out a little bit more to give people um, time to comply with it. But, you know, as a studio owner, I've, I've interviewed a number of teachers that were just not well trained. And so I understand it from that side too, that, that they want to get the standards up um, so that when, you know, someone decides they want to become a yoga teacher and they're laying out several thousand dollars for training that they're actually getting what they're pay, paying for and coming out with the skill set to at least have the anatomy and philosophy and understand the asanas not just learn a sequence and and come out not knowing why that sequence goes together but they can teach you know a yoga sequence um you know that doesn't require 200 hours of training to, to be able to do that well, I guess I look at it like if they're doing that in a 200 hour program and the same people theoretically could just then add more hours, is it really going to increase the quality? Because I can look at, and I say this totally biased, that my teachers yeah. come out really well prepared. Well, and as so, do the teachers from our program because we limit the size. I mean, we're not cranking out 30 at a time. We, we're cranking out a maximum of 10 per class. Um, and, and they, we require that every one of our teachers teach five classes with one of us supervising before they can graduate. So they're getting a real life experience in teaching mm -hmm. too, um, versus telling, you know, you or I don't get into down dog. Well, we, we're teachers, we know what a down dog looks like. Um, somebody off the street may need some help. Um, so, so I'd like to see, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that everything's very clear yet. I think trying, I, I think they're making an attempt. I think their heart's in the right place. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how the implementation goes. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think I've, I've had issues with it since, um, I remember in 1998, I lived in Pennsylvania and I actually went to like where Yoga Alliance was and, um, I was like, oh, maybe I'll register. I don't know what this thing is. And I just got back from India studying with Patabi Joyce. And I didn't. And then years later, when I was opening my studio and needed to have a registered school in case someone should ever want that, um, they wouldn't take my hours from studying with Patabi Joyce. Yeah. And they had said that I had to have a letter from the Joyce family to give to them. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to call the Joyce family and be like, hey, this little organization <laughs> wants a letter. And, well, and, and that's been you know, highlighted as one of the big drawbacks, especially with international programs, because, I mean, there are, you know, there's schools in India where going to become a yoga teacher is like getting a four-year university degree here in the United States. And those aren't necessarily transferable hours towards you know yoga alliance certification but if if someone comes to the u.s to teach it it, it gets really sticky and, and, and you know yoga alliance is not the be-all end-all i mean it does have some advantages of being a member um for instance we we are actually our yoga teacher training program we're located fairly near um fort leavenworth which is a military 
U.S. Army base. And so we have a lot of military spouses that come through our teacher training. And because we're a, a Yoga Alliance registered school, we've been able to apply. It took me two years. Um, <clears throat> and get Department of Defense scholarship money for these military spouses to be able to take their teacher training. Wow. Yeah. So, so that has a lot of advantages just giving back to the com community. As I, as I said earlier on, I'm a veteran um, and these military spouses get moved around a lot. Their families go from place to place during, during um, you know, <clears throat> from various stations. And so, you know, when they get there, they have their tribe already because it's easy to find the yoga tribe. Um, it's, it'll be easy for them to find a job teaching, whether on base or off base. Um, and, and, you know, even if they get their spouses who are active military to do yoga, that's a positive as well because those guys need it. <clears throat> so, and gals, um, you know, that, that's a crowd that really is hard on their bodies. They're trained to kind of disassociate from their bodies um, and, you know, work through the pain. Um, and, but with yoga, they can really kind of help focus. I mean, you know, these days you've got, you know, special forces, <clears throat> pro football players, you know, pro um, basketball players all doing yoga um, as injury prevention um, for, for, um, you know, sports and, 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 activities um you know SWAT teams do pranayama which they call tactical breathing um <clears throat> but it's it's yoga <laughs> and so so it's really kind of spread out even if people don't recognize it as yoga and so so our effort with with the military spouse is really to give them tools that they can take worldwide wherever they're stationed and uh and, and help so there's it's interesting um there's one of the graduates of my teacher training program went on and part of her save a, save a project for graduation, she started a program for the military. Um, her husband was active duty and had just come back from a tour and she noticed some changes. Um, and so she started this organization called Join Forces Yoga and it's yoga for active duty and they go to wherever they are. They're very big up at Fort Campbell um, by us, but one of the things that they've been looking at is how do they get people trained so that when the unit moves, they have teachers that go with them because that's always, you know, they get letters all the time from people who have moved to other bases saying, oh my gosh, can you send somebody? We need that here. Yeah. And, and there, there are ways and I'm still working on this, but there, there, I, I know of at least one studio, which unfortunately is now defunct, um, that had approved to use GI Bill money um, for yoga teacher training as well. So, so one of the things that I find as a veteran and, and working with first responders, because I said I was a paramedic for a while, um, police officers, firemen, is getting them to come into yoga is difficult. So the best way for us to get yoga into those communities is to train them to teach themselves. <clears throat> and so, um, so that's one of the things that I'm kind of exploring is how can we, how can we get some funding to, to train some of these um, people in those businesses, you know, um, in those markets that can help each other then um, rather than, you know, a lot of those CSs pot smoking hippie uh, yoga teachers. <clears throat> um, yeah. They want, you know, if it's somebody that speaks their language, they're a lot more likely to give it a try. I, I completely agree. It's funny is on the flip of that is there was a trauma yoga teacher training I was in and um, one of the guys was in it used to be active duty. He was a sniper, had big old like sniper tattoos on his arms. 
And he said he walked into a yoga studio and was treated so horribly that he left. He was like, like, I can't do this here. Yeah. Um, so it is, I think, important to be able to have environments where anybody feels safe doing yoga. No, absolutely. absolutely. You, you know, you could have the hippies and then you could have the conservatives and you could have. And, and they can all be in the same studio as long as they feel like somebody's got their back. Right. Right. And I think that that comes from, you know, the environment that's set by the studio and the owners. Absolutely. Um, what's the most important part of it for you? Um, making myself do it even on the days that I don't want to do it. Because uh, th those are the days that I absolutely need to practice. Um, and, and it's more up here than it is in, in the body. Um, you know, that's also when it's the most rewarding is because I, I walk away from uh, afterwards saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better now. Things are, things are, I'm in a better place. Um, my, my latest passion is the yoga ropes wall. I built one and we've had one in our basement for years that I built for Wendy. Um, was terrified of it for a long time. So that I'm just going to get on that thing and get stuck. Um, we went and got some training and now I absolutely love it teaching some yoga ropes wall classes to people. I had a 74-year-old woman in my last intro at a ropes wall class that was just fearless. She was up there in, in spinal traction, hanging upside down and, and just amazing stuff. And, and I think that's a big part of if you're going to make a living at yoga or consider it as a career, you can never stop learning. Um, I find a lot of teachers, you know, they get their 200 hour certificate and they're all happy and, and things. I'm like, that's just the beginning. <clears throat> you, you, you know, you need to go take classes at other studios from different teachers, travel a little bit, study with people, study styles that you don't partic aren't particularly into because you'll learn something from them that you'll take back into your own teaching style and your own practice. Um, you know, try some aerial, aerial yoga, try some ropes wall, try some, you know, yoga nidra, do all these different things just so that you get the experience. And, uh, but a lot of people are afraid to get outside their box and, and try something. And, but if you do, it just, it keeps it fun. What would you say inspires you as a teacher? I think, um, that moment when you know a new student or a, or a student that's been coming for a while says hey thank you I, I feel better um, you know that same 74 year old woman that that I talked about that was in my ropes wall class recently came in um, to the studio and told my wife you know hey I just had my bone scan done and instead of being on the decline you know they're one percent denser um, you know, and I think that's, all, and she believes that, that a lot of that is to, you know, to do with her yoga practice and coming three, three times a week to yoga. And, uh, you know, she's more active. She, you know, we had another woman that came in, um, her goal, she was 84. Her goal was to be able to get down on the floor, play with her great granddaughter and then get back up. And, you know, three months later, she was able to pop up and down off the floor and, uh, you know, it's, it's a quality of life thing. People don't really understand how much pain they're in until they're not in pain anymore. So when, when you see that in, in the student's eyes and they're saying, hey, thank you, I feel good, that's, that's what inspires us. Wow, that's, that's huge. And that's, you know, I, I have that imagery of the 84-year-old trying to get yeah. down and 
play with her. Yeah, but that's what she, that's what she wanted. That was her goal. She wanted to get down and play with her little granddaughter on the floor because that's where her granddaughter, great granddaughter, was playing. And so that was that was what she did. What would you say is next for you as a teacher or a business owner? Oh, wow. Well, my next transition is going to be into working at the studio full time. Um, probably take a couple of years to get there, but um, we're we're expanding our our teacher we're gonna teaching we're gonna offer a 300 hour uh yoga teacher training school um we've been bringing in some guest teachers um we have a pretty good network of what i call the, the celebrity set um that we're gonna start bringing in as well um and just people that are a pleasure to be around um you know even just hang out with let alone learn from some of these some of these great yogis um, so I think, you know, I'll continue to learn. Um, I'm not traveling as much as I used to. Um, <clears throat> next couple of years, I may be traveling more. So I'll be showing up in, in people's studios around the country and saying hi and taking classes. And uh, I just plan on continuing to have fun with it. That's my goal. Yeah. What, what has been the biggest lesson for you? <clears throat> the biggest lesson for me in, in owning a business or... Um, I think, you know, one, one of the things is, is, is we all have, we all have a tendency to judge people when we first meet them. And like I said, for us, building our yoga community was important because it was about community. And we've had some, some really, we've gotten to meet some really interesting people and get to develop some great personal relationships with them that are people that I would never have otherwise run across. Um, you know, in, in different social or economic circles <clears throat> and, uh, or, or people have, you know, completely opposite political beliefs to what I do. Um, but we, we can all come together with yoga and laugh and have fun and, and it just makes everything better. That's so that's awesome. kind of, kind of, kind of what I've learned is that, you know, you know, I may not agree with this person about some, some things, but we can do yoga together and still have fun. What else would you like to share? Oh, I don't know. I'm so <laughs> passionate about so many things with, with this. Um, you know, one, one of the things that, that I'm, I'm trying to do um, is get more involved at the teacher training level um, and do some things, you know, by Zoom or Skype um, related to the, the legal and, and marketing aspects of yoga. Because I, I often tell tell yoga teachers when I'm going through kind of my, my legal workshop that I do for yoga teachers. You know, I'm not an attorney or an accountant, but it's kind of like, you know, as yogis, we like to walk through the grass in our bare feet. But if you have a dog, you're very, very careful about where you step. And so I like to point out those piles of places where you don't want to step, or if you do step there, you at least know what the situation is so that you know how to clean it up afterwards. Um, because, you know, people have a lot of misconceptions about waivers and insurance and whether or not you should ask people about, you know, any injuries or illnesses and all these things that are really hot topics that, you know, there could be very legal repercussions for not doing something right or not under fully understanding a situation um, when you get into it. And so I'm trying to help elevate that side of the, of the yoga teacher equation by just educating people um, on, you know, these are the things that you need to look out for. What else? 
I don't know what (laughs) I'm passionate about so many things. I love it. Um, You know, I could talk all day about just the business side of yoga because um, that's, that's kind of what I really enjoy. But uh, you know, we, um, you know, I I really want to see yoga as, and I hate calling yoga an industry, but yoga as a, as a business, um, it has been growing enormously um, over the last, you know, even five to 10 years. If you look at total revenues and look at the, uh, you know, look at the basically state of the, of the business reports that Yoga Journal puts out, um, you know, but we, we have to all become a lot more professional to be successful. Um, we have to get past that pot smoking, um, you know, hippie yoga teacher, um, idea that people have of yogis. And, and I think we're about there, but I think taking, you know, kicking up the professional level, um, to that next thing is, is what it's going to take to keep success moving forward. Where would you say are the opportunities? Well, I think <clears throat> there's a lot of opportunities as, you know, a lot of the kind of yoga leadership, um, especially in the United States, are, are aging and starting to get to where they're retiring. Um, <clears throat> so I think there's a lot of opportunities for up-and-coming people with, you know, specialties or new ideas to really get involved and become leader, lead, leaders in the yoga community nationwide or worldwide. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think there's been a lot of negative news as well with yoga as far as some of the allegations and and things around sexual assaults um so there's there's an opportunity to you know distance yoga from that and go in a different direction on okay let's keep this healthy for everyone let's keep everything transparent um you know let's all work together um let's teach each other let's succeed together um you know let's share our stories on, um, you know, whatever it is so that we can all make better choices. And so we can really, like I said, elevate yoga to that next level of success. What do you think about um, the social media aspect in yoga? (sighs) Wow, that's a loaded (laughs) question. Um, And I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but the whole instagram yoga movement of people doing these very difficult poses i call them ego poses um i actually got booted out of a men's facebook yoga group um because i kept asking the guys well okay that's a cool pose but why are you taking pictures of it what are you doing with this well i'm using them for marketing who are you marketing to the you know the small percent of the population that can do that because that pose is going to scare the hell out of everybody else um and, and so I think, I think social media is good for communications and great for reaching people, but I think it also can bring increase that intimidation factor because again, like that banner on the side of the New York Athletic Club, um, people go, oh, there is no way I'm doing that. I mean, you know, I, I always love it when people say, oh, I tried yoga once, but I'm not very flexible. I'm not flexible at all. And that's why I do yoga. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it it's kind of a two-edged sword depending on how it's used. I had somebody once and they went to, um, when we first opened, they went to my class and we had a great connection and they went to another person's class 
And then I was on the phone with them and I was like, so how did it go? And they're like, yeah, I like your class better. And I was like, okay, why? I said, you know, we teach very similarly. And the other person um, was probably 20 something years younger than me and um, tall, real thin. And I was like, wait a minute, let's get clear. You like me because I'm older and fatter than her. (laughs) (laughs) So you can relate to me. (laughs) And we laughed and had a good joke. But I think it is, it's that sense of, you know, if I can say I'm turning 50 this year and I do yoga, someone can go like, well, wait a minute, I'm 50 and I could maybe do yoga. Exactly. Versus seeing a 22 year old in a bathing suit thong at a pool with a cocktail in a hand and a, you know, yeah, doing something else. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. And that's why I said earlier, you know, people walk in, they see me and and my wife and they're like, well, they, I, we look like normal people. We're, I'll admit that I'm almost 50 as well. She's, you know, a little younger than I am, but not much. She's catching up to me. But, uh, you know, you're exactly right. Is is, is if people can identify with what you're doing or that you don't have to do yoga to extremes, I say, well, you know, it's kind of like, you know, some of the yoga you see on social media is like extreme sports. I can go skiing and have a grand time skiing down the bunny slopes on the mountain or I can go over and do the ski jumps and, you know, go flying 300 yards through the air. It depends on your ability and what you're want, wanting to do. I mean, one is, it's not that one's better than the other. It's just that they're different and they're at different ends of the spectrum. And, and what I need for my body, I do yoga, not because it's cool or, or, or looks good, but because it makes me feel better. You know, if I, I, I sleep better at night, if I do some, some, you know, yoga asana before I go to bed, I get up in the morning and stretch out my hips. I can walk across the floor without pain. Um, you know, that's why I do yoga. I don't have to get my ankles up around my ears or, or wrapped around my, my torso or something in order to be successful at yoga. It right. makes me feel good. If you could only do one pose for the rest of your life. Oh, well, it's actually kind of a series. I really love the Supta series with a strap. Um, it's one of my favorite poses to teach and do because by the time you get to three on one side and then put your foot down, for those of you that aren't yogis, that's the hand to big toe pose, but we use a strap. Um, it really gives you a nice stretch in the inside and outside of the hip. And then when you lay both feet on the floor, you can really immediately feel the stretch on that one side and feel the immediate effect you're having on your body. And to me, that's just really cool because that's one of the, one of the few poses where you feel that difference immediately and then do the other side and then, you know, walk in circles as you, as you go out. But, um, but that's my absolute favorite pose. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you so much taking time to connect today and even more than that for all that you're doing to help build the yoga community through the Facebook group, but even more is educating and expanding all of that. So I acknowledge you for that and thank you for that. Thank you for having me on today and I greatly appreciate it and would love to to talk more with you at some point about our backgrounds and that we may have some similarities there and uh, and talk about what we do from here. Yeah. How can people keep in touch with you? How can they find you? 
Um, so there, I actually have a, a, well, they can always reach me through ompranayoga.com um, on our, our studio uh, Facebook page or yoga studio page. I also have a uh, Facebook page set up just for me. It's Rob Yoga, R-O-B-B space Y-O-G-A. And uh, that's, that's the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. I appreciate it. All right. And we will talk to you soon. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Epic Journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a rating and a review. I truly hope that you got something out of this episode that you can use on your own epic journey.